Investor Show, brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market. He's Ramon in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I'm Dayon Kovacevic in Tampa, Florida, covering Pirates in nearby Bradenton. What's going on, Ramon? Not much, man. Happy, happy day to you, DK. That's what it is, man. It was a long day. And as you can see from my face, I, I had, I had, like, I was wearing a hoodie, as I can't stand anything about Florida, much less the weather. I was all covered, like head to toe, except for my face. Look at my face getting up getting fried. Cherry DK. How people live like this, I have no idea. That would be the name of your soda right there, Cherry DK. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I got a fun question for you to open today's show. Oh, fun. Okay. All right. I'm here for it. Go for it, DK. Terrell Edmonds tweets out, this was yesterday, uh, thankful with a prayer emoji. And then on Instagram, he elaborates a little bit just about how, how happy he is about this thing, this thing and how it's going to make him a humble and something, something. Okay. He's going to be a free agent. Okay. If you're tweeting that out and you don't offer any specifics, there's no other way to take it other than, Oh, he signed a new contract. Oh, and by the way, of course he's staying with the Steelers since NFL free agency has opened. Why? Why do players do this? Ah, psychology of athletes, what? man. What? Uh, tendencies of athletes, man, because we're weird. I'll, I'll admit that most athletes are in a lot of different ways. I have people asking me that type of stuff all the time. Why? Why do y'all make something out of nothing? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, that guy didn't say anything. Like, like, what do you mean he didn't say anything? Because we use and take any little thing and gives it that that much belief. And I'll say, I'll say specifically, two professional athletes are usually the worst like that, are really high caliber guys, because there's so many pitfalls on their road to success. That's such an athlete's cliche too. On the road to success. It really is so many pitfalls on the way to trying to get what you want out of something. And you'll take the smallest little motivation or the smallest, you know, person trying to discredit what you've done so far and use it for fuel. And I think that's what guys do. I don't know if Terrell ended up talking to his agent, to your point, or whether he realized there's an actual market for a guy like him or just truthfully, he may have just had a good day that day, too. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's all within the same context of just motivation, DK. And then I'll say this too: <laughs> watching some of this past weekend's uh, other football leagues across the world, the XFL stuff. Maybe you're thankful you don't have that job too, DK. So yeah, right. There's there's a lot that kind of goes into it, but you know, just to put it all, bring it back to a front before we go deeper, DK. You'll make something out of anything man well i mean you kind of have to okay look you put do. yourself in the position of a reporter he, he puts that out there and you go i mean i don't know what else this could possibly mean yeah and since since he doesn't even bother clarifying it because like you said well maybe it's just a fun thing to see what people say you know what i mean yeah uh, well <laughs> i'll say, say this it. too to see what people will say Sometimes guys that throw something out there just to get a reaction from their followers. And, oh, and no, okay. for, for real, man, because I've seen some people just be just, they have to be in the it. There has to always be conversation because you have so many things inside of your head, not in a bad way, but the ability to be accepted when you know your race is not done. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. me, I've dramatically seen my social media like uh, imprint 
like kind of go down on Instagram, but it doesn't bother me because I'm okay with where I'm at. Guys who are still very much active will drop random pictures or do stuff on the stories to engage uh, their fan base to see where they are on the social status aspect of operating. You know, like that actually makes the most sense. I I think that's it. When you got to think the season's over, Super Bowl's done. Guys are back to training. Maybe that was a, hey, let me get through this workout by engaging with my, 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 my followers and stuff like that. That like social media has really changed a lot of that type of stuff where those guys that would tweet out a thankful would probably just call somebody up on a cell phone. Let's go 20, 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Or actually go over to somebody's house. Well, why would I do that when I can bring the house to me? And so he puts out thankful. Yeah. And the replies are exactly what you'd expect. Did you sign? Did you sign? We hope you signed. We love you. We love your play. We love the way you work with Minka. We yep. love this. We love that. You're the greatest. Unless you didn't sign, or worse, you're considering signing with somebody else. In which yeah. case, we don't like you at all. <laughs> <laughs> Never did like you. Glad you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but busted first round pick, blah, blah, blah. They'll, they'll turn on you like crazy, right? Oh, yeah. So that actually makes the most sense. But... Man, there's so much of it in the NFL. And everybody just feels like it's okay to just drop a hint like this, let it, let, it's sitting there, it's ticking, and then yeah. just walk away. Yeah, that's and that's how it goes, though, too, because you didn't have to say anything and you got more of a reaction. You know what I'm saying? Like, How much did it mean to you as a player? Did you, were you one of those people that got on the bus after the game or the plane and started checking social media to see? Oh yeah, I would. Fun? Yeah, hundred oh, percent. I no. wouldn't reply back to half of it or anything. But that's hey, this that's how it goes. Get finished with a game, shower up, get to the bus, check phone. That's usually how it goes. Huh. And I, this is even for your air quotation mark inactive guys. Also, yeah. like that's a portion of it too. I've even seen you know just personnel be able to be on social media, just getting the gauge for what it was or wasn't going on. Not embedded in it, but it's so much a part of everybody's every day. The response, the reception of it. We've seen coaches get fired because of social media. DK. We've seen players have to deal with, you know, sports psychologists because of social media too. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that is a portion of it. You have to be thick-skinned with it. Like me, like I said, I mentioned my Instagram of all places. My, my Twitter has gone up because I engage with people there. My Instagram, I think I retired with like 116,000 people, and now it's down to 103 just by me being inactive. So these guys that are really embedded in it, make a business of it, they have to stay current. They have to stay on top of it. And truthfully, DK, they need that social status in a good bit. Yeah. You know, the the, the one dead giveaway that What's anybody that? has when you ask an athlete, so do you look at this stuff online? Do you, do you read social media? No. <laughs> never. They're lying. Never. I would never. I don't even know. I don't even know. What do they call that? Instabook? Or what is it? I don't even know. I, I don't even know. <laughs> So, so there's there's a fine line in all of that too, DK. Mm-hmm. I think what sports used to be newspaper, you know, local news and you know print type of stuff mm-hmm. has. I think players somewhat dealt with the same stuff then, except now it's everybody that don't have the credentials of being a big J journalist or at least being on the TV screen of analyzing you that you have to see it as players in the '80s did too. But it's the matter of how you acknowledge what's being brought to you also and how you respond to it. It's fine. 
for all players to be engaged in it. And seriously, that is a portion of today's athlete, even at the high school level, DK. Management of that has gotten really crazy. When we come back, coaches and social media? Foster Show, continuing our discussion on the NFL and social media, and by that I mean the people actually in the NFL and social media, there is such a thing as an at Coach Tomlin Twitter account, and he does use like he, he does utilize it, okay? Uh, he picks his spots, it'll be something, some kind of message that he wants to send, it's usually for serious occasions. Yeah. Uh, he pumped up Cam for the Walter Payton Award. Uh I actually don't believe that he'd be on social. Okay. He strikes me as the kind of guy who takes such rigid control of certain things that anything that he can't control won't particularly interest him much. However, there have to be coaches. There have to be coaches who are looking to and coordinators. You know what? I've seen Coach Tomlin give uh, or authorize like comments to be put out. But right. never have I ever seen him tweet, scroll, or be on social media whatsoever. I can't think of many of our guys that actually did it. I know a few of them have it because some guys come from that college world or just the fact that their kids have had it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Coach Mitch never had it. <laughs> Kevin Colbert never had it. Mr. Rooney never has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Like Coaches are involved in it because social media is just as – involved as you having a car these days or having public transportation everybody kind of have is it good for coaches to have it in the nfl absolutely not and i'll say this too most nfl coaches that that coaching most most coaches that coach in the nfl i think elect not to have a public presence on social media too because that's more of a college coach type of situation to be on and be engaged in for the ones that do it in that capacity most nfl coaches don't get involved because they really don't have a need to unless they just have a ghost account and just a scrolling just like me and you do dk on a day-to-day basis if they're a social media head coach in the nfl they're probably not a good head coach well okay here's a here's a counter argument to that okay you just said, and I agree with you 100%, that social media can affect people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, oh, it, yeah. Can, it, it can hurt really, really bad. Uh, I've been there. I'm guessing you've been there. Oh, Everybody's yeah. been there in different forms. Uh, it, you know, you can say, I don't care about that stuff, but it, it, it hits sometimes. Sometimes it does. Yeah. Now, if it's such a big part of your players' lives, and you have someone in place for pretty much everything, mm-hmm. why not that? Or why not find a way to regulate it? Is it just because it's impossible, or is it the wrong thing to do, or because the Players Association would fight it? I don't know, you know? So your your your, your main point is why not be a part of it as a head coach? I think so. Because okay. at, least, at least, let's put it this way, whatever decision that you do make... Okay as a head coach is more informed. But I, I'll say this for head coach. Yeah. Oh, 100% head okay. coaches in the NFL. I know I almost go college too. Cause I think there's, I doubt there's many college head coaches that involve themselves personally on social media, except for maybe Deion Sanders, Lane Kiffin, 
Yeah. Lane Kiffin, who else you got? Narduzzi's not a social media guy, right? Uh, We're being he, regional. He, he pops on there, but it's always just something like we, we just got one. We got one. Yeah. Or a recruit or something like that. Like Ryan. Uh, I've seen him do it, but it's rare. Ryan Day, not so much. No, like, James, you Fra- James Franklin at Penn State will do that some too. But uh, his personality him. types really for the most part. So yeah. this this is where I am on it. It depends on what you're trying to sell as a coach, and particularly a head coach too. Uh, and there also needs to be separate, you know, degrees of separation between players and coaches too, mm-hmm. especially from the respect factor. I, I look at a guy on social media – that's very active as an NFL coach, I'll probably say to myself, uh, how good is his team? What are you actually trying to sell? Because the NFL doesn't have to sell anything. You just better coach your butt off. And one thing I think smart coaches realize, too, every time that you have available to be a coach, you do those things because the wins and losses in the NFL and almost of our head coach in college, too, matter a little bit more, too with the ability that you can be fired depending on what your outcome of the seasons are from season to season. So if you're a social media guy and you know your personal social media guy, like you're running your own mm-hmm. account, the mm-hmm. stuff that you're going to see from the fan base may actually have you overreact, may actually have you say something, may actually have you judging your star players a different type of way. And what's all you need to be worried about is there what are they doing on the practice field and on a day-to-day or game-to-game uh, basis. I think that's where the separated comes from, why I don't think head coaches should utilize it as much, especially on a professional level, is guys are different in their day-to-day life outside the building as they should be. And why would you bench a young guy? Let's say if a Juju had a came in just super wild on social media. Like, it shouldn't be the head coach's job to govern them. There's other people inside of the building that do those types of things. So if a head coach sees something, it may get reported to him, but it should be different avenues from the communications department, burden them and stuff like that when it comes from regulating what guys do on social media. Yeah, no question about that. I just, I, I feel like, you know, that that's the modern world. Yeah. Okay, it is the, it's the most modern world everything is virtual and the pandemic only exacerbated yeah. that yeah i mean because that's the only way anybody was getting together was was virtually and socially i look at the steelers twitter account and it follows man, i'm just calling it up here 301 people okay <laughs> now it has 3.7 million followers but it follows 301 yeah okay which is a very, very low number. And if you go through there, you'll see who it follows includes always all 53 active members of the roster. No exceptions. And when it comes to training camp in Latrobe, you'll find everyone who is invited to camp Mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what are they doing? What are they they following them or are they checking out to see if the party is at Marcus Allen's house or? Yes, they have that ability (laughs) to. Yes, DK. But again, it won't come. It won't come from. uh, It won't come from the head coach. It'll come from somebody inside. I just saw the Steelers (laughs) following a rapper that I follow on social media. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So there's a presence there, man. Uh, and how they go about it. But, but DK, 
that shouldn't be a a head coach's responsibility. It's a part of it, but that's just today's world of I'm a player and I have a side business. That side business includes social media. I remember when Antonio Brown first brought in cameras to follow him in those Steelers basketball games. I won't front. I was like, why do you need cameras following you every single place you go? Mm-hmm. Come to find out he was building a brand and building his own fan base. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many players on the team actually have almost as many uh, followers as the Steelers, because that's the other thing about it too, DK. You can't tell a player he can't have um, social media, can't be on it when one, his business is about it. And two, he might have more followers than the actual team. Right, right. Have some fun here. When you go to the bottom of their, uh, the very bottom of their list of who they follow, it's the National Football League first. Mm-hmm. The next one is Roger Goodell. <laughs> it's good moves, right? <laughs> really good, smart moves, man. The first individual after that is Heinz Ward, which yeah. makes some sense, right? You yep, know? absolutely. Then comes Troy, and then Merrill Hodge. Then ESPN, and then the only reason I did this, Snoop Dogg. Snoop. The Steelers follow Snoop Dogg. I believe it. I love this. Yeah, yeah, no. But not only that, but they made it a priority to follow Snoop Dogg like before, you know, any any other yeah. teams, any other, you know, other Rod Woodson. No, you had to get Snoop Dogg in there first. Brand ambassadors, you hear me? Um, absolutely Snoop, amazing. You, you know what comments I want to ask before we get to the hey, Mo? Who is your most famous follower? Ooh. For our listeners, DK. That's a good one. Who's your most famous follower? That's um, a good one. I think most of us would probably say the Steelers for myself, but hey, I got some other important people too on my podcast. When we come back, the only segment that matters. That's hey. Back to the Ramon Foster Show and the only segment that matters. That's brought to you always by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where three expert chefs put together classic and unexpected flavors to complement each other so that every sub, burger, salad, wrap, drink, and app is crafted for what they call craveability. Order your favorite entry at the Get-Go Cafe and Market today. Better believe it. And today's Hey Moan comes from Ryan Stanley, who says... Hey, Moan, what was the off-season schedule like for you when you were in the NFL? And what did a week in-season look like? Now, that's pretty broad, right? Yeah, but I, yeah, I think we, yeah. can, we can stick it to with the, with the off-season, you know? Yeah, I'll give them a quick run-through of the in-season, too, man. Okay. Um, off-season, end of the game, exit meeting, we're past all of that. Most guys usually take about a couple weeks to a month off, just being completely honest. Let's say we're done third week in January. Um, probably won't start up to probably after uh, Valentine's Day or, you know, a week before March or something like that. That's usually how it kind of goes. And you're not taking completely off, just some active rest recovery, trying to figure out what's next, right. uh, set up some vacation, a trip or something like that. But starting up, you know, middle to late February, cardio, light lifting, Nothing too crazy because this is the thing, too. You want to be somewhat ready by the time you report for yeah. those early sessions in late March, April-ish. You know, you don't want to You don't want to go zero to 60 when you get – yeah. No one's going to have any patience it. for that. Your coaches aren't going to have patience for it. 
and tell everybody who would be more mad at you than anyone else. The players. The players. Yeah. That is correct. You can't <laughs> look out of shape that bad. I had James Harrison say one time, you know how you stay how how you get in shape? Hmm. Stay in shape. And that's simply what it is to let your body decompress and, you know, let the inflammatory stuff get out of you. I think that's appropriate for those two to four weeks that you end up taking off. But you start light and you want to be somewhat presentable. Like you you want to walk around looking like a professional athlete most of the time. And that's what you do. And this is the thing. too: if you let yourself get away from you, let it get yourself get away from yourself um, in the offseason. Guess what happens on the back end? You end up overworking yourself, and that's when injuries happen around camp time too. That's interesting. Yeah, as you, opposed to just keeping it at a at an even at a pace, good pace. Like you, you start off with some light sprints or something like that, or bike riding in the earlier parts of the off season. Then you start with a really good baseline of just lifting it and honestly getting stronger. I want to get strong within the first couple of months of when I'm lifting because by the time camp comes around. I need to have my strength or have maintained it too. To push. To push. And and not to overwork those muscles too. So around late February, March, we're really getting after as far as lifting them. And not a whole lot of ground and pound stuff. Like field stuff, not going to happen. I remember being able to do like the Jacob's Ladder or running on the wind sprints inside of the place that I work out at. No field stuff, no technique stuff, just a really good baseline. That's all the way up until – we report, and it was usually April April twentieth. It's when the most, third week of April is when OTAs and everything is. Yeah, that's what you're referring to. Yes, that's yeah. when we usually report for just off season workouts. And at that point, you want to make sure you're able to move side to side, no you know soft tissue injuries and stuff like that, and uh, just being ready by then because that's all that matters. DK. Be ready by 420, and everything else kind of sets itself up well, even more. What you're leaving out here, and maybe it's a maybe it's a good topic for another day, like because I could see a full segment on this easily. Is offensive linemen? Yeah. Okay, you guys are expected mm-hmm. to fluctuate weight <laughs> like Hollywood actors. Okay, yeah. um, and, and and more dramatically, since you are naturally very very large humans yeah yeah okay and you can put on or take off pounds that would make someone else like completely transform someone else and somebody might not even see it yeah so easy too man that's Mm -hmm. the thing about it you're a big dude for a reason like some guys have an issue with you know trying to bulk up and stay big and and most linemen don't for the most part so like I said, you if you show up a little bit out of shape, like coaches look at you and realize, oh, you didn't do much, did you? You're going to try to get together in OTAs, <laughs> minicamp, and camp? Not going to work. And one thing about sports is this, DK. Coaches know the eye doesn't lie for the most part. And if you are out of shape, a little bit overweight, the film is going to tell it. That's why, yeah. The, the the run test in Latrobe is going to tell it. It's going to tell it. All right? That's poor snack. You know? <sighs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and what's crazy is the smaller guys that do that because they wait or they overrun towards the latter part of the season. And our, our condition test wasn't that bad. But you have small, skilled guys that couldn't finish the test, DK. Yeah, you saw nice. it. I saw that it. That blew my That's mind. Nice. We'd blow yeah. through it as linemen. And they're huffing and puffing and hurting their backs and stuff. And I'm like, well, you didn't try. Well, you don't know how to train. I love the fact that there's a, I'm thinking of the run test here. 
but the the offensive line has like this. I'm telling them. I'm not telling you because you were part of it. <laughs> I know what you're about okay. to say. They had this like unwritten pact. Okay, <laughs> where they would all. Yep. Okay, and it was acceptable for them to be a little bit behind because they're they're the big boys. They're the yeah. offensive line, and they would do this. And guess who was running right alongside them? The Number quarterback. Seven. Number the seven. quarterback. <laughs> You better believe it. <clears throat> but this is the thing, though, too. The, the NFL training is way different than college or high school. Like, I didn't get overly dramatically stronger. I stayed very strong. I didn't go from benching 405 to 595 in the offseason mm-hmm. because I'm mm-hmm. getting after. It doesn't work like that. The NFL, DK, you've heard numerous players beside myself say, this ain't a brute just mono main you know man cave type of like sport it's a lot of finesse there's a lot of thinking there's a lot of experience that keeps you around the league for a very long time and just because you see a guy on his instagram videos bench pressing 495 for 10 that doesn't make that guy a superstar that doesn't make that guy the strongest player on the field because there are some stuff leverage wise that'll get done to guys who are weight room strong that doesn't correlate over to playing field either. I've seen those guys up close in person. Yeah, that's it's uh it is a good dialogue for another day. That might we be one should of those do... on your where's your Ramon pad? I thought it you had yeah. it there somewhere. No, no, trust me, I, I won't forget that. My Ramon pad is right here. Okay. I got that yeah, too. Yeah, the Ramon pad needs to have this one on it because that's a that's a heck of a subject. It it is like really good <laughs> question. I but, mean going back to the you know the Terrell Edmonds thing, like that's also the validation that you get. I do know some coaches have watched those type of videos. Like I've been seeing them on working out and you've seen those videos in that video. They'll see it, but don't necessarily comment on those. We'll talk about weight room versus uh, field strength too. One day. By the way, you know, who'd have no problem on that run test. Who? Terrell Terrell Edmonds. Or Cam Sutton. They might have like 0.000% body fat. Oh, my gosh. Just specimen, right? Are yeah, Pittsburgh getting his brother, too? Is that a conversation we're going to have one day? Oh, that was that didn't take long underneath there. No, I mean in the, under his tweet. Oh, does this mean you're bringing your brother, too? It's he's like, <laughs> come on. I did this for love for me, and you're coming at me with stuff about my brother? Come on. Always in my brother's shadow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mo, let's do it again tomorrow when I'll be back home. Absolutely.